Well, today is December 12th, and you're listening to Born on This Day. I'm Marco Timpano. And I'm Bill Antonio. All right, Bill, I want to wish you a national poinsettia day. That's how I say it. How do you say that? that I think flower? I say poinsettia. Oh, you do say poinsettia. Yeah. We looked it up recently because there is it is spelt with a T-I-A at That's the end. Right. So yeah. the way you say it seems right, but you can say it my way too, I, I discovered. What's so. the origin of the name? Do you know? I think it's I think it's a, a flower that comes from Mexico, okay. and therefore it's a Spanish name. But I couldn't tell you. I didn't right. I didn't look up the etymology of it. Mm-hmm. But we have poinsettia day today because it's in honor of the father of the poinsettia industry, Paul Eck. <laughs> the date of December twelfth marks his death, um, and the main response uh, and he's the man responsible for bringing the plant to the United States. We've always Sorry, had them I, in the I, house. I got his name wrong. It's Robert's Poinsettia, so it's named after the this guy. Uh, Paul Eck is uh, somebody else. Is the father of the poinsettia industry, but this is in honor, in honor of the guy responsible oh, for okay. bringing the plant. Yeah, here. and his last name is Poinsettia. Yeah, no, we've always had them in the house because my mom loves them. I know some people don't love them because they always look fake, even when they're real. Right. And that's not a look people want, but they do have that beautiful red color, you know. Yeah, I don't love them. I don't know. They're not my thing, but I've seen them. They're actually a tree. Have you ever seen them as a tree? No, I haven't. Oh, it's incredible when yeah. you see them in tropical places and you're like, what tree is that? And they're like, that's a poinsettia tree. And I'm like, what? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, people who are born today on December 12th are poised individuals other might think of them as being cold, Bill, but when you truly want to achieve something, they are the ones who are eager and enduring. These people are not hesitant to try out new things, and they are definitely risk takers. Oh, wow. Okay, well, let's see if that's true of our birthday celebrants today, Marco. First up, Jennifer Connelly made her film debut in Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America when she was 12, a movie wow. I still haven't seen, even though my mom watches it all the time. Then she scored one of her most famous roles two years later in the children's cult classic Labyrinth with David Bowie. She played the object of every teenage boy's lust in career opportunities and appeared in John Singleton's Higher Learning, Mulholland Falls, and Inventing the Abbots. In 2000, she was reinvented as a critical darling in Requiem for a Dream and Pollock, and a year later won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in Ron Howard's A Beautiful Mind. Most recently, she starred on Snowpiercer. She was born on this day in Catskill Mountains, New York in 1970. She always reminds me of Phoebe Cates. Uh, they have a similar coloring, you know, like the light right. skin, dark, dark hair, dark yeah. eyebrows, whatever. I love Jennifer Connelly, but she just always looks so sad to me. You know, it's just sometimes yeah. I just want to be like, lighten up, Jennifer. What's wrong? <laughs> well, someone else who could lighten up. Mm. Madchen Amick. <laughs> Did I get his name right? No. Or her a, name right? First of all, it's a lady. Okay. It's Madchen Amick. Amick or That's Amick? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, she was one of the ingenues made famous by David Lynch on Twin Peaks, playing Shelley Johnson on the show before appearing in the films Sleepwalkers, Dream Lover, and Trapped in Paradise. She recently joined the Twin Peaks reboot while finding new fame as Betty Cooper's mother on River- Riverdale. She was born on this day in Sparks, Nevada in 1970. Maiden means a uh, girl in German. Oh, okay. That's basically, her name is Maiden, basically. Oh, I Maiden. love her on Riverdale. She's my favorite on that show. I tried to watch it. It's terrible. And... It's an absolute yeah, okay. guilty pleasure. Okay. But okay. if you do get through it, she is my favorite on that show. Okay. Yeah. Good. 
Maya Bialik first got all of our attention when she was perfectly cast as the brassy-voiced younger version of Bette Midler's character Cece Bloom in Beaches, though it was years before she was able to tell everyone that she had her singing dubbed in the role because Bette didn't think her voice was good enough to match hers. She starred on the short-lived sitcom called Malloy, but after its cancellation, soon found herself starring on the hit sitcom Blossom, which lasted six seasons. She continued acting through her college years, eventually completing her PhD in neuroscience before scoring a major comeback on Curb Your Enthusiasm and then finding renewed fame as Sheldon's girlfriend on Big Bang Theory, for which she has received four Emmy nominations and I believe has contributed scientific knowledge to the writers uh, on the scripts of that show as well. Yeah, She was born on this day in San Diego, California in 1975. Bill Nye's lengthy career on the stage led to film and television roles in the 80s, his fame on British television rising with the success of The Men's Room in 1991, while his popularity internationally broke wide indeed with his role as the aging rocker in Love Actually and the vampire leader in Underworld. He starred in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Notes on a Scandal, Glorious 39, and About Time, and won a Golden Globe for the television film Gideon's Daughter. This past year, he appeared in the latest screen adaptation of Emma. He was born on this day in Chatterham, England in 1949. Lucas Hedges follows his parents into show business, his mother, poet and actress Susan Bruce, and his father, the Oscar-nominated about-a-boy screenwriter Peter Hedges. Lucas made his film debut in his dad's film Dan in Real Life, before having his first role in Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom, rising to prominence with his Oscar-nominated performance in Manchester by the Sea in 2015. Since then, he has appeared in Lady Bird, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Boy Erased, and Ben is Back, and will soon be seen co-starring with Michelle Pfeiffer in French Exit. He was born on this day in New York City in 1996. Frank Sinatra got his singing career going by bringing his own PA system into saloons, eventually getting himself involved with a series of bands, including Tommy Dorsey's. He became the king of Bobby Soxers Bobby in the early 1940s with his solo singing career, smoothly transitioning into acting with his performances in the musicals Anchors Away, On the Town, and Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Uh, by the early 50s, a vocal cord hemorrhage and his fall in popularity threatened to end his career until he had a major comeback in Fred Zinian's From Here to Eternity, for which Frank Sinatra won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar and enjoyed success until the end of his life. Hit films followed, including Guys and Dolls, The Joker is Wild, and A Hole in the Head. He earned a second Oscar nomination for The Man with the Golden Arm and enjoyed a concert career for the rest of his active public life. He received the Kennedy Center Center's Honor in 1983 and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Ronald Reagan in 1985. Having sold more than 150 million records worldwide, he is quite possibly the best-selling music artist of all time. He was born on this day in Hoboken, New Jersey in 1915 and died in 1998 at the age of 82. And Hoboken, New Jersey's never let us forget it. Nope. No. I, I, you know, I just was speaking to someone from uh, Hoboken, mm. New Jersey, and I went there, and it's a, it's a quite a charming place, I have to say. Yeah, well, I mean, New Jersey is what, the Garden State or whatever they call mm. it? Yeah. And uh, Frank Sinatra also, most notably, one of his films appeared on your other podcast, Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men. Oh, that's right. The Detective. Yeah. That's it took right. me a second to realize what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever see him live, Marco? 
No, I no. didn't. I mean, we was were young great? when when yeah. he uh, ended his concert career, but still, I thought maybe I was never. Listen, I'm much more a fan of Dean Martin's than Frank Sinatra. So for me, Frank Sinatra really didn't I know, do but anything. He's the the king of like Italian Americans, Marco. You have to like him. It's sort of required. I guess. How was he on film? Like in those in those films that he won Oscars for, was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, for? he's. I mean, yeah, he's great in From Here to Eternity. The Man with the Golden Arm is his greatest performance ever. Uh, it, he actually gets really deep in that movie, and he really affected me emotionally in that film, which oh. is rare for him because mm-hmm. usually he's sort of coasting on his charm. Um, and in a, he's never been bad, but there's a lot of movies where he's um, really phoning it in. Or, or I shouldn't say that. I'm going to get an angry comment for that. Frank was mm-hmm. famous for the fact that he refused to ever do more than one take. And he okay. was talented enough that um, his first take was never technically bad. But had mm-hmm. he done more than one take, he probably would have gotten something maybe a little bit deeper. Of course, right. he's from before the era of like method acting and all that stuff. Sure, and so sure. in The Man with the Golden Arm, he either maybe he was more willing to like work harder at it or whatever, but he there's just so much more resonance to him in that role. And it really shows um, what he what he was capable of that you don't see in movies like uh, Pal Joey or The Joker is Wild or anything. But, you know, Frank is Frank, you know, and if you loved him, you were happy to see him do anything. Right, right. You know, it's certainly you're better off watching him in, in if you want to see like acting, you're going to watch the 50s movies by the late 50s to the 60s is when he becomes Rat Pack Frank. And then he's truly just, you know, snapping his fingers and right. playing cool dude in all of his movies mm-hmm. without, you know, is he even awake? You wonder. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Got it. Regina Hall's early roles in The Best Man and Love and Basketball were followed by her becoming a comedy favorite in the Scary Movie franchise, while also joining the team at Ally McBeal in its final season. More recently, she starred in the box office hit Girls Trip, and her performance in 2018's Support the Girls garnered her award attention and even Oscar buzz. This past year, she appeared in Little and Shaft, and she is currently starring on the series Black Monday. She was born on this day in Washington, D.C. in 1970. Robert William Barker served in the Navy during World War II and followed his service by getting work on the radio while attending college, eventually moving to California to pursue a career in broadcasting. He had a radio show under his shortened name, the Bob Barker Show, in 1956, began working on a television as a television host, first on the game show Truth or Consequences, later on a various on various Miss Universe and Miss USA pageants, and then in 1972 took on the job of a little game show that you might know called The Price Is Right. In 2007, celebrating his 50 years in television, he retired from the show, continuing to vote, devote himself to the animal rights causes and uh, that he's been committed to since the death of his wife in 1981, including United Activists for Animal Rights and the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. He celebrates 97 years today and was born on this day in Darrington, Washington in 1923. Pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty great. He, uh, got rid of the elephants at our zoo. He's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the cinema's most iconic gangsters, Edward G. Robinson, wasn't a classic handsome face, but his performance in 1931's Little Caesar made him a huge star, leading to years of tough guy roles that continued into his later years, including Kid Galahad with Betty Davis, she called him Liverlips, Tales of Manhattan, a supporting role in the film noir classic Double Indemnity, and a leading role in The Woman in the Window. 
His spotty record during the Red Scare is still a matter of discussion. Robinson cooperated with the HUAC to keep his career going, and worked until his final film, Soylent Green, in 1973, which was released the same year as his death at the age of 79. He was born Emmanuel Goldenberg on this day in Bucharest, Romania, in 1893. I'm going to skip a couple of bills so you can do the next one. But Don Gummer is an American sculptor whose early work concentrated on tabletop and wall-mounted sculpture. But in the mid-1980s, he shifted his interest to large freestanding works, often in bronze. In the 1990s, he added a variety of other materials, such as stainless steel, aluminum, and stained glass. His interest in large outdoor works also led him to an interest in public art. But... But the reason you might know who he is is because he's the guy sitting beside Meryl Streep at the Oscars every year because he's been married to her since 1978. And he was born on this day in Louisville, Kentucky in 1946. Now, Marco... I don't know if you know this, but I consider Tokyo Story to be the number one film, my number one film of all time. And I had no idea. I had no idea that was your number look one Look it up. Film. Okay. Um, and then watch it and say something shitty about it to me after because okay. you won't like it. Anyway, that movie was made by Yasujiro Ozu, the masterful Japanese filmmaker, whose movies were rarely seen outside his country during his lifetime as they were deemed too Japanese to be appreciated by international audiences. Later critical analysis of his oeuvre found that actually he's one of the most universal and humane of all directors. His stories almost always focused on the simultaneously sublime and harsh realities of family life. For Ozu, life was a cycle of inevitable tragedy, that a family unit once created is then destroyed by children breaking off and making their own families. And most of his films were about this, actually. His masterpieces also included Late Spring, Early Summer, Floating Weeds, and The Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice. He and his most frequent screenwriter, Kogo Noda, usually measured the amount of work they had accomplished daily by counting the number of empty sake bottles on the floor of the workroom. (laughs) which might have contributed to the director's early death. He was born on this day in Tokyo in 1903 and died on this day in 1963 at the exact age of 60. Oh my goodness. What is that called when you're born and die on the same day? I don't know. It's like a palindromic That's... life or something. I don't oh, know. Man. Yeah. What is it about that film you love so much? Um, it's, There are just some movies that really achieve a a very sharp and acute understanding of the pain and the beauty of being alive. Okay. It sounds so pretentious, but it's a movie that really, and his movies, they're kind of like going to church, you know, like they're, they're really good for you and they're not, they're not sprightly and fun. They require a lot of patience, especially to our modern eyes. His pace is very slow, but um, there's just such a deep understanding of who people are and how they relate to each other. And that movie in particular it just affects me very deeply. And my, my aunt, um, who is now in her nineties, uh, whenever, you know, she'd come to Toronto, we'd always watch movies together. She's my movie buddy. And, um, she particularly loves old Japanese movies. So we would always watch those. And I said, you have to see this movie because I can't believe you don't know who Ozu is. And, um, I think it was one of the last movies we watched before she went back to Greece that summer. And I remember driving her to the airport the next day and her saying, thank you for not letting me leave without seeing that movie. It has changed my life. And she talked about it for years after. So that's wonderful. What a wonderful story. Yeah. You can hear more wonderful stories Hmm. about Bill and movies that he's loved and not loved so much in my Criterion's podcast. Mm -hmm. Definitely check that out. Yes. All right. Marin 
Aid is one of Germany's most exciting filmmakers, despite having only made three feature films so far. Her latest, Tony Ehrman, the highest critically rated film of the years of that year's Cannes Film Festival and the nominee for Best Foreign Language Film Oscar of the Year. She was born on this day in Karlsruhe. I don't know if that's how you say Karlsruhe. Karlsruhe, Germany in 1976. You might not know Phyllis Somerville by name, but you definitely know her to see her, most famously as the woman who tells Charlotte on Sex and the City that she bets she has a beautiful see you next Tuesday. A member <laughs> of the Labyrinth Theatre Company, she made her Broadway debut in the musical Over Here in 1974, making her film debut in her late 30s in the 1981 hit film Arthur as a sales lady. More recent roles include Swim Fan, Little Children, the series The Big Sea, and her last film, the Diane Keaton comedy Palms. She was born on this day in Iowa City, Iowa in 1943, and died this past July at the age of ni- uh, 76. Okay, Bill, this last person on our list is my favorite, and I'm waiting for the day that they make a biopic on her. Mm. Conchetta Rosemary Franconero appeared on Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts at the age of 11, by the 50s and 60s becoming the top chart female vocalist under the name Connie Francis, Mm -hmm. recording the hits Who's Sorry Now, Stupid Cupid, and I'm Sorry I Made You Cry. She remained a popular draw at concerts for the rest of her life, her popularity waning in the States um, towards the end of the 60s, but remaining high in the rest of the world. In 1974, she was raped at knife point at a Howard Johnson's while appearing at the Westbury Music Festival in New York, later suing the motel chain for for failing to provide adequate security when she found out that a year later, the hotel's broken lock had not been fixed. Hmm. She was driving by and she's like, wait a second, that was my room there. She was awarded $3 million and it led to a major reform in the hotel sec- in hotel security, though her rapist was never found. This was followed by years of depression and an increased dependency on pills, which made her which made things worse when she underwent nasal surgery three years later and completely lost her voice. I mean, this woman led an incredible she went through it all, man. Yeah. Not to mention However, the fact that she had to stay at a fucking Howard Johnson's. Jesus yeah, H. Christ. Well, that, that in itself, I my know. goodness. However, more operations restored her vocal cords and she came back to her career recording more albums and performing more concerts. Uh, she has written three autobiographies, married uh, many times, and appeared in the films Where the Boys Are, Follow the Boys, and Looking for Love. She celebrates 83 years today and she was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1937 and, Bill, do you remember this? She wanted to marry um, a crooner, and I can't remember, the guy who I think was saying Mac the Knife, and her father wouldn't let her. Oh, okay. And so that sort of unrequited love was a big part of her depression. And um, I can't believe you know, she's, we, the shocking thing is that she's still alive. That's the yeah, most shocking it, thing about that whole bio. I made an error in that. I uh, So, yes, oh. I didn't include. She was married seven times. Right. Bobby Darren. Uh, no, wait, sorry, not Bobby Darren. Hold on. Personal life. I think that's who she wanted to marry. Four times. Never got... Yeah, Four okay. Times. Dick Canellis, Izzy Marion, Joseph Garzili, and Bob Parkinson. These are all characters on The Sopranos. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so these are the people she married. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, she, it, you, we don't even scratch the surface of her life. And someone needs to make her life into a biopic. I know. It's just that everyone confuses Connie Francis and Connie Stevens. It's very easy to do. I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, Bill, 
You know what's not easy to do is to forget that today is December 12th. Yeah, and it's not easy to forget a poinsettia once you've seen one. That's right. Well, listen, if it's your birthday, have a happy, happy birthday. Yeah, absolutely. And see you tomorrow.